Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Fizzle Show. You know, our mission here is to help you do great work, right? We want you to dent the universe and support yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Barrett, Steph, Corbett, and Chase. We run Fizzle.co, where new and used entrepreneurs learn how to create, develop, and grow a personal business in the modern age. Membership costs about a dollar a day, but as a listener, you can try your first five weeks for free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, in this episode, how do you deal with the emotional ups and downs of entrepreneurship? Sometimes I myself am manic, overmotivated, putting my head down and working every day until some major milestone is reached. But this, in my experience, is far too often, almost every single time, followed by burnout, down in the dumps, kind of depression. I think it's natural to go through this entrepreneurial roller coaster, feeling on top of the world. If I just get this thing done, everything's going to fall into place. Followed by immediate burnout, depression, looking for, in my situation, any excuse to go watch Netflix in bed. On the show today, we ask, is there a way to balance that out so we don't go into despair every three to six weeks or so? And can we even it out so we don't experience the highs and lows in the same magnitude? I think it's a really, really important conversation. It's going to be awesome. If, if you build something, if you make something for a living, you're going to love this show. So follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 153. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. I'm Chase Reeves. I'm Corbett Barr. I'm Barrett Brooks. I'm Steph Crowder. And this is the Fizzle, Fizzle Show. show. <laughs> we're still so bad at that. All right, Steph, tell us what we're talking about today. What are we getting into? Okay, so today we have a, I think, a really interesting question. It was one that was very popular in our forums, and it's also something that those of us uh, on this podcast have been kind of talking about amongst ourselves recently, so we felt like it would be a good one for us to kick around. The title of this um, of this post in the forums was, How Do You Deal With the Emotional Ups and Downs? And this is a question from Alan. And Alan says, I think this might be a common problem with entrepreneurs. I get super motivated, work very hard, almost nonstop for a period of two or three weeks and then burn myself out. I'll be at my computer from 10 p.m. to midnight, then again from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. before the day job starts. I'll get a ton of work done, make great progress, but it always leads to burnout. Then I'll take four or five days, do nothing but the bare minimum on the business and maybe binge watch some Netflix. I've tried setting a schedule. It works for a little while, but then I get super pumped about what I'm doing and I just can't shut it off until I burn out. So Alan wants to know, how do you pace yourself to stay productive and avoid burnout? Yeah, it's great. It's a great question. It's great. You know what I love so much about this question is I feel like your answer in any given moment is indicative of where you are on the journey. Do you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense, Steph? Uh, keep going. What do you give us a little bit more? Uh, what I, what I'm getting, what I'm saying is like my answer to that question or my point of view about it or something like that, how I felt about it has changed, um, from one sort of, uh, not just season or feeling of like, how am I feeling right now? But also from like experience stages oh, yeah. that you totally. kind of go through, you know, I, co- I completely agree with that. I mean, I think, reading this and even just rereading it, it like strikes me differently every time I read it. I can think of a time when I was working at Groupon as my day job and working on my business and I was doing this exact same thing and I was up early at five o'clock every morning and that's not something that I would recommend doing at the stage of life that I'm at now. So I definitely think your answer and the way you feel about this depends on on what you're working on and, and what you've learned over time. Yeah, totally. Okay, so what do you, Steph, what do you think would be the best way to sort of start talking about this? Well, I think one thing that's that's interesting about this is the idea that um, your Alan's question is so interesting because he's saying he feels motivated to get a lot done. Like he wants to do the work. He is excited to do the work. But inevitably, he knows that if he pushes himself, you know, and kind of burns the candle at both ends, he's done gone through this cycle enough times to know how that ends for him. So that's kind of interesting in and of itself. And then I guess on top of that, 
in the responses here, there are people who sort of start talking about this concept of working in bursts. So like burst working, you know, sprinting for a little bit and then feeling like they need to take a break. And there's a little bit of a debate going on about, is that a bad thing or is there a better way to work, which is like spacing it out and setting a schedule. So maybe we can kind of start there wondering whether it makes sense to just kind of go with the flow of how you're feeling and allow yourself to work in those bursts. Or are you setting yourself up for failure because you're going to then hit a wall and want to watch Netflix for five days? Mm, yeah. Wow. Have I ever been there? <laughs> wow. Uh, Corbett, what, what do you, what do you, what's your take on that thing? No, I love that. And it's also something we were just talking about. Uh, you missed it, actually, Chase. Um, we had a little powwow yesterday while you were gone. And this actual subject came up because this is something that we deal with individually and as a team. And uh, we've taken different stances on it. And sometimes I think we get into this mode where we're in that burst mode where we feel like, okay, we're going to hustle, hustle, hustle and and sprint and see how much we can get done. But then that inevitable sort of dip or depression or whatever happens when you just can't focus on work anymore. Um, and then we also sometimes take an approach where, okay, we're going to slow things down and make it a reasonable pace so that we can sort of continually get things done instead of ebb and flow so much. And that can work also, but there are downsides to it, um, such as feeling like maybe you're not getting that much work done, um, even though incrementally you are day by day. So, the, we we wrestle with this, and um, another question that I had that that maybe we can cover is whether or not this is a journey that you're on throughout your life that eventually you can get better at. Is there like some end goal for productivity and motivation, or is this always cyclical? And are we always going to be kind of fighting the same patterns, no matter if we're in our twenties or? Um, or older, or if we're working on our own business, or if we're working for a, a company. Well, I guess that sort of depends on your worldview, doesn't it? Because if you are, as I am, a Hindu man, then as you can see, the world is very clearly a circular, sort of circul circuitous mm. route. Mm. I won't be spoken down to. Sorry, that was like my attempt at, at Alan Watts. I was, like, I was like, oh, I want to do the Indian accent so bad. I'm trying so hard not to do that, even though it's one of my favorites in the world. It's just too stereotypical. Hmm. So I can just give it, I just give it to English people all day long. I don't care about that. <laughs> so much awareness. <laughs> I just fucking, you know, I'll just get, let's just give it to the English people. It's like, yeah, right. I, I think we deserve that a bit, don't we? For a few hundred years there. It's my bad. No, I understand. Um, I'm <laughs> now yeah. I watch, I love it if I can actually make Eng English people upset about that because maybe that's a thing too. I don't want to do that. I just mean Alan Watts, who's one of my personal, you know, heroes slash biggest fears, uh, it, who spent a lot of time in the East, would comment uh, about that circuitous sort of thing. And I think it does kind of come into my mind about this work stuff just because, Corbett, now tell me, like, in your own personal experience, have you seen yourself go around this sort of like wheel go round and different modes of work one after the next, like again and again and again? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I've gotten... Um that I have figured out some way for me to be more productive on a consistent basis. I think if anything, I have gotten more comfortable with the ebb and flow and, and the, mm. the cycles that you go through um, so that you don't beat yeah. yourself up so much. The, the other thing though, in this is I think we're in different positions than a lot of people that might be listening to this because, you know, fizzle is our day job and uh, we don't have a whole lot of other side projects or whatever going on. But that side project productivity is sometimes so much harder in certain yeah. ways than day job productivity. Um, mm -hmm. Alan mentioned basically that on some days he's working from 6 a.m. to essentially midnight, it sounds like, which is insane. Of course, you're going to burn out from that, yeah. um, you know, versus trying to be as productive as you can for uh, seven or eight or nine hours a day. It's a, it's a whole different ballgame, I think. And I'll go one step further. It's it's not just the side hustle. It's it's like anything where you don't have traction, I think, yet. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this moment or these moments or this feeling when you have an audience who is like things that are happening when you you, you put out a piece of work, whether it's a blog post or, or a podcast or a product or a marketing campaign or something, whatever. You do something and there are results, right? There are people on the other side. 
for a long time for me, that wasn't the case. I, there was there was 10 people, you know, there was one person and then 10 and then like potentially like 100 and even maybe even 500 on an email list. But I don't only that, that like in some ways is, it feels only valuable in as much as it's growing and as much as you're 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 seeing progress, you're getting traction. And I think there's a kind of insanity because you're supposed to make something that gets popular, if not for everybody, but for, for, for at least some group of people. And the popularity can result in either just traffic or revenue or email subscribers or something that you're tracking and you want. Right. Um, and when, you, when you're not having that, all you have is hashtag hustle. Do you know what I mean? That's the, you're like, all right, I should Gary V my way through this thing. You know what I mean? And then, and so all you have to do, so then like all you have is that, you know, Corbett, what I heard in your response clear as day was like, I've gotten more comfortable with the ebb and flow. And I, when I look at my story, Tim Ferriss always asks on his podcast, you know, if you could give advice to your 20 year old self, what would you, what would you say? And then he normally asks like to your 30 year old self too. Most people are saying at 20, like, relax, enjoy mm -hmm. it. Like, like it's very common that people would say that people say that. Uh, in that response, and I would say the same thing, but I know I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been able to relax. To me, it was all about the hashtag hustle and making something of myself because I wasn't anything yet. Do you know what I mean? I think that that comfortable with the ebb and flow is a really, really big part of this conversation. But uh, we'll move on to Barrett. It sounds like you have something to say. Let me see. I can see it on your face. I just think in this uh, in this particular case. You know, there, there's a reality of the situation of having a job and trying to bridge the gap between that and knowing you want to run a business. Yeah, There's just the reality of it. And it's hard. That's the reality. It's a very difficult process to go through, a very difficult time to go through because you've got X amount of hours that you definitely cannot work on your business without mm -hmm. getting fired, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And during that time, I think this just might be part of the process. Hmm. Like it might be reality that you need to capitalize every time you feel enough energy to get some things done. Yeah. Because every little project you can complete, every little step along the way that you can move on to is one step closer to being able to quit that job and be full time and have a little more balance. I'm just not sure that balance in that stage of kind of side hustling is a realistic expectation to set for people. You might be able to take that week off yeah. every third week or whatever and try and maintain some balance, get back to the family, spend some time with the kids, whatever. But on the weeks when you're trying to get something done in your business, trying to hit a deadline or whatever, I just don't know that you're going to get this, you know, cushy, enjoyable process or experience of, yeah, I go to work and I work for an hour and then I have dinner and like everything's great. I spend time with the kids. I put them to bed. You know, everything's wonderful. It's not, I just don't think that's a realistic expectation. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we've set that expectation, I think we might be setting people up for a little bit of disappointment during that stage in particular. I don't know that that's yeah. true over time. So I guess that's just like a plus one for Corbett's point about maybe this is just the reality of the cycle right now. Yeah. And it's not how do I battle this? It's how do I embrace this and not feel bad about the times when I need to take a step back? Totally, because you can look back on your 20-year-old self and go like, I wish I would have relaxed. But you're also saying that from the perspective of, of someone who's like found his way. Right. You know, um, and and it's not that's not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed that every 20-year-old is going to find their way right. or feel like they've found their way. And so in some ways, you have to sort of do the work that's necessary do the work that you can do because the worst is when you look back and you go like, I think I could have done more. I think I was like, like, I think there's a way that you can look back and go like, I think I was too balanced maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think so, there, you're right, Corbett, to bring up this idea that like, that there's, um, there's just like fizzle to us as our day job. And we still go through these ebbs and flows, it, it, but it is really very different from the almost mania that comes for, at least for me, it looked like mania with like trying starting something new. You know, I think there are people, I think Corbett, I imagine you when you're starting something, it looks pretty like cool, calm and collected and like, yeah, this is the work that I have to do. I'm going to have to do it and I'm going to do it. And that's because what I have to do, you know, and, and, and like, like Nathan Barry, I could picture being like that too. Well, I was on the other side, just like <laughs> lighting everything on fire and going like, I'm sure this is going to help. I'm sure this is going to be fine. We're all going to be, this is amazing. Right? What? Nobody's there. <laughs> I love yelling off mic. It's delicious. I love this casserole. Oh, Corbett, what were you going to say? Uh, so um, in Alan's case, what he's looking for, he said a couple of things. So he said, 
He often gets super motivated, works really hard, almost nonstop for a period of two to three weeks, and then he burns himself out. And he asks, how do you pace yourself to stay productive and avoid burnout? So, you know, I I guess, you know, in, in my case, when I'm starting something, I'm definitely that sort of manic, over-motivated for some period of time. And a lot of times I'll just put my head down and work basically nonstop every day until some, you know, major milestone is reached. And then after that, I think it's natural to feel burned out. But you can see how that could really mess with your emotions, right? We talk about this entrepreneurial roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster that you're on. And it's kind of natural to feel that roller coaster as you go through periods of feeling like you're on top of the world. Like if I just get this one extra thing done, it's all going to fall in place. And then you're yeah. down in the depths thinking, oh my God, I'm so dumb for even trying this. I wasted all this time. This isn't for me. And that period of motivation and burnout or that cycle of motivation and burnout, I think can amplify that. And so maybe that's what Alan is looking for. It's just a way to even that whole cycle out a little bit so that he doesn't have to go through the depths of despair every third week or whatever it is. Mm. And I guess that's the question for us is, are there ways that you can do that? Are there ways that you can even it out? Are there things that you can rely on techniques, tools, strategies, people, whatever, uh, to help you even things out so that you don't experience the highs and the lows in exactly the, the, the same magnitude. Yeah. And I think, I think a big part of that is also at what point is this unhealthy? You know, I think that's maybe a a more important question even than, than the one of, is there a way to not feel the lows here is what's an unhealthy amount of low? That that's really the danger, right? We've talked about that before that the, the biggest risk that you face is probably quitting, right? It's not that you're going to, um, you know, launch something and it's going to fail spectacularly. It's more like you're going to have some setback along the way. And then if that setback correlates with one of these burnout periods, you can get into a place where, uh, I just don't feel like working on it. And the next thing you know, two weeks goes by, three weeks goes by, two months go by. And then that thing that you were working on ends up just quietly fizzling out. Um, and another question for us is, are those periods of burnout more likely to cause you to quit entirely? And if you could even things out a little bit, would you be better off and more likely to, to, to run this thing like a marathon, right? Because just like marathoners, you can't start out at some crazy fast pace and expect to keep that. In fact, if you start out at a crazy fast pace, you might be in danger of not finishing the race at all. Mm. That makes me think of of one one question that might add might might be a uh, a ta- a tactic here. Are you ready for a life hack, folks? Are you ready for a life hack? Is your life not hacked enough? Let's hack it up. Hack it up with the Hack Entrepreneur Hour. Every morning we have three minutes of something that's gonna change your life forever. You are stupid for not knowing it. Here it is: the life hack. Life hack with Chase Boardman Reeves. Hey guys, it's Chase Reeves here with another life hack. Listen. What's the worst that could happen? This is a question that uh, famous people have asked for, for a long time. Not famous dumb people, famous smart people like Socrates and the Stoics. They always got into this, like, what's the worst that can happen? Corbett, as you just said that, I like how we're really, really rolling with the radio guy right now. Um, Big time. I, as you said that, Corbett, you, were, you, kind of, you kind of gently touched on this. Like, the what's the worst that can happen to me is something I'm not really good at accessing. Do you know what I mean? As a way of going like, thinking it through, okay, stop, hold your breath. First of all, you're stressed out, you're freaked out, you want this to really work. Or if you're not stressed out and freaked out, you're like manic and pumped up. You're like, this is going to be amazing, you're super motivated. One of the things that's changed most in my life is I noticed that, right? I noticed that because it wasn't until I hit like real serious depression that I realized I need to pay attention to how I'm feeling because it can kind of go all over the place and, and I'm not necessarily those feelings even though I'm having them. Um, and so I started paying attention and and uh, and then I also started noticing when I was super manic and I was like, oh, why can't I be like this all the time? And then I realized the better I felt, the harder the, the harder the downfall. And I think something to balance this out for me is a, is a trick about just like, hey, what's the worst that can happen here? Because a lot of times when I get 
stressed out mania, like excited about something, it's because I believe it's all going to work out and I'm going to be loved by everyone and it's going to, I'm going to make money. And this is amazing. Of course it's going to work. It's never not going to work. This is never not going to work, right? But I'm, I'm believing a lie in that situation. Similarly, when I'm down in the dirts, I'm like, I'm never going to be anything. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. No, of course it's not going to work. It never works for anybody except for like, I don't know, you have to be like perfect or something stupid. That also isn't a lie or is a lie. Do you know what I mean? So both of them have, I think at the root, the same expectations. One of them thinks it's going to happen and one of them just doesn't. And the expectation, I think, is the, is the wrong thing. So in some, it is the thing to, to address. But it's like this. I've been in modes watching my mania, watching my depression, trying to rejigger this stuff, kind of powerless to change the feeling. The only thing that I have now as a tool in my belt is, is what Corbett said of like, I can take a deep breath and just be okay with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, you, like the word that I've, that, I, like, that I've just said over and over and over again is just be gentle with yourself. This is my biggest, if I could, another Tim Ferriss question, if you could own a billboard anywhere that says something, what would you have it say? And it would just be something like, be gentle with yourself. Like you're trying to do something that's very difficult. You're like, you're having hope in a world of hopelessness. You're, you're, this is difficult. Of course it's hard. Of course you're struggling with this. Be gentle with yourself because I think this, this fear and depression is the same is like, is like one side of the, of the mania, mania and like motivation. And both of them are sort of flipped by, by just some, some expectation or some fear that is really kind of hard to explain. That's what my experience has been probably most like with this thing is because motivation is just like a, it's a tricky little, it's a fickle mistress, man. Motivation. It's, there's nothing like, when it when it comes and and sits with you and just like kind of moves your your mind for you, um, but like like my experience right now of being off caffeine for two weeks, which is like okay, it's not a, like I felt I felt like this for mostly the last three months because I've been only doing like a half a shot of espresso as you guys have seen, um, but like it, so there isn't a, a big change and and I, and I, I kind of miss the espresso just for like going to the cafe. But what's interesting is now when I'm caught up in a mood. I, I can't quickly go like, oh, yeah, that's the caffeine. I can tell. I can normally tell, right? Now it's like, oh, this is just me. Uh, this is like, you know, the kale salad that I had for lunch. Like, there's no way. For, it's like, there's always stuff that's going to happen. But but that's what's so... Gotta watch that kale. Yeah, yeah gotta careful careful with that. There's just something that's really dangerous uh, uh, to me about the, mo- the moods that I go through because they're so powerful. They're really, really powerful. They really feel like each one of them, when they come up, they go like, see, this is the truth. You're awesome. Or see, this is the truth. You're a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, there, you're just, it's either one or the other or you're some other thing. And, and that's what's so, I think, tangibly, really, really fundamentally felt about this thing. You can't get away from that. And so when you're reading a post from Seth Godin or Gary Vaynerchuk or Corbett Barr or Steph Crowder, Rhymes with Chowder, like you're reading it from some particular mood that you're in and each and and sometimes you're motivated and you're like yeah this guy's got the truth this gal's got the answer and sometimes you're like depressed and you're like maybe this will get me out of my dark hole or you're just cynical about about it all but that mood really colors everything for me i'm i'm a little bit i'm like bummed that i'm so swayed by that Mm. you know i think because i totally agree and i love that message of being gentle with yourself and for me what i'm sitting here thinking about is I think there's a lot of value in trying to find a way to kind of zoom out, you know? So in in Alan's case in particular, he's like looking at this very micro, which I think is totally normal to be like, I have like this stretch of two or three weeks where I'm go, go, go. And then I have four or five days where I just can't and I need a break. And I think, you know, it's very easy to judge yourself for those four or five days where you're just not in that same mode. And, you know, for me, I can speak personally in the season of life that I'm in right now as you know, our listeners know I'm expecting right now I'm pregnant and I've never Mm -hmm. gone through that before. And Mm. for me, I'm not, for the first time in my life, I'm not fully in control sometimes of how I feel on a given day. And that really can mess with you. There are some days where I'm like, feel, feel like my brain is like fully turned on. And there are other days where, this is like kicking my ass and it's hard, Mm. you know? And so I think for me, something that's helped, if anyone can relate to that for any variety of reasons, it's really helped me to zoom out and look at it macro and say, okay, well, you know, it's easy to judge myself because I'm having an off day, but what have I accomplished this month or what do I want to accomplish this month? You know, what do I need to have done in order to fulfill my commitments to myself, to my teammates, to my business, whatever that looks like. And 
pride yourself on the things that you did get done and yeah. look at it that way. You know, if Alan were to look at his work, his body of work in a given month, he might look up and be like, wow, I got through a lot of stuff because he has two or three weeks where he's, he's going and then he takes a week off and that might be totally fine. So there's probably some value in stepping back and examining your body of work beyond the day to day. Cause I, I think there's danger in that day in, in judging yourself on that day to day. And I, I also think there's, you have to be aware of the kind of work that you are tackling and how you let motivation play into that, to approaching that work. What I mean is, um, you know, we've all had those periods where we have some epiphany and we're like, you know what? I should, I should blog every day or I, I should, I should make a, a weekly video about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you can, you can bring this like manic motivated sort of energy to the table and approach those projects. But you know that when that energy runs out, you're going to be in trouble unless. So for example, like with the fizzle show, it's amazing. We've done it. We've done a fantastic job. We've published it every week. We're at 150 something episodes and it feels really good. And, and there are other things built into it. Um, I think it's easier because we have a team involved and, you know, there are other people um, who, who put the, the project together, but, um, there's just this drumbeat and we didn't really approach the fizzle show. I, I guess we were a little bit manic and motivated about it in the beginning, but we also approached it just knowing that this is something that we just have to show up and do every week. Yeah. Whereas when you're in that sort of short term mindset, it's easy to commit to a bunch of stuff that your manic brain might be really interested in. Uh, but your depressed self three weeks later is probably going to sabotage you somehow. So yeah. for those kinds of ongoing projects, I think you have to be really aware of that motivated depressed cycle. On the other hand, um, if you're talking about well-defined short-term projects, if I look back and think about a lot of the major things that I've done, things that were three or four weeks worth of work, really compact work that I, you know, spent 12, 15 hours a day working on. Um, those things wouldn't have happened if I just did a little bit at a time each week. I really needed to focus mm. really hard and give it all I had for those three or four weeks. Most of the really yeah. meaningful things, like, you know, getting a new project off the ground, um, writing a, a book or, or whatever it might be, something that's defined like that, a lot of times takes those really concentrated bursts of energy. And so maybe there's some work that you should ride the motivation when you can. And maybe there's other work where you need to be, you need to say, whoa, um, I know this isn't going to serve my long-term interest for this kind of work. Yeah. And I think for me, it, whenever I find, I know there's a certain line that I cross at certain points where I've gone too far. And I know I've gone too far in the burnout phase when I start feeling overly tired, relying on caffeine, where my diet's not working. And, and ultimately that manifests itself in like ult or big anxiety and yep. hypochondria. I know when yep. I start getting freaked out that like I'm dying of something, I've gone too far. <laughs> totally. I've pushed myself too far and like, my body's out of whack. Yeah. And it's never tied directly to the work in particular. The work leads to that, certainly, but the work leads to that because of the things that it prevents me from doing. So, work sometimes, some projects will prevent me from getting sleep. They'll prevent me from working out. They'll prevent me from eating right. Like, I get in this cycle where I get all of my physical habits out of whack. And that then leads to all my hormones and all of the other stuff that makes our body run. Yeah getting out of whack. And then I go into this phase of depression and anxiety, and then that leads to more of it. And, and then I get in this manic phase, like you're talking about chase, where I just want to do the work, 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 work. Cause if I get it done, maybe it'll go away. Yep. Yep. But none of that helps. And what I've realized over time is that the second I start feeling some twinge of that hypochondria or the anxiety, I've gone too far or the, I need coffee. Yeah. Any yeah. of that. And I need to, to back off I need to refocus on my physical processes, on my habits that that help me feel good, and then I can maintain a healthy pace. What are your habits that that make you feel like sort of good? So I know if I lift weights like twice a week, just twice a week, yeah. that's all I have to do to get back in a good place. I need at least seven hours of sleep a night. 
uh, on a regular basis. So on average, I need to get at least seven hours. Yeah. And I know that I need to stay away from too much sugar. Like sugar is the thing that I go to when I'm feeling stressed out and like yeah. stress eating basically. Mm-hmm. And if I get back to that, if I work it, if I go to the gym period, that breaks the cycle. It yeah. always does. I was just in this phase a couple of weeks ago and my mastermind group said, well, when are you going to go to the gym next? And I was like, well, not today. Today sucks. They're like, no, today's the day you need to go then. Yeah. And sure enough, I went that afternoon and it snapped me out of it because yeah. that broke this cycle that I was in. That's, I think, a really inter- interesting moment and one that we all resonate with. Mm. I should, but, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I should, yeah. like, like, and it can be really simple. Like, I am I experience it with, uh, you know, for me with working out, like, I'm, I'm always, like, I'm always, like, really motivated for big seasons, and, but, like, sometimes long seasons, like four years of strength training that Corbett got me into that I didn't stop. Like I did it every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for like three or four years. Um, and then like I hit my first bout of depression. I just couldn't. I just couldn't go stand under a squat rat. Like I, I didn't want to do any of that. So, but I started running. I got really into running. Hey, the mania is picking up again. You know what I mean? And I ran, next, next thing you know, I had run 28 miles by myself, <laughs> just like with a vest and some, and some sandwiches, <laughs> you know, filling up and taking leaks at Starbucks along the way. I don't know if you know how hard it is to take a pee when you're running. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very difficult because you need to get enough fluids anyways. So, uh, so then that kind of fizzled out for me. That lost its grip of me, right? Now, what I've learned now in my 33rd year of life is I was like, I just watched it. I just was like, this is okay. This is fine. I'm, I was gentle with myself. I didn't beat myself up going like, you piece of crap. Of course, you're losing your discipline. See, you're, they were right about you or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was gentle and I was like, we'll see where this goes. And it naturally kind of led into doing yoga with Adrian on YouTube. What's up, my girl? <laughs> yeah, Adrian's my girl. That's, I'm just going to shout yeah, out to her every it. time I mention her. And that's been good. And now it's kind of transitioning into like sort of just doing it by myself. Um, and that's changing. And I'm just watching with trying not to judge. And the, the bigger, the, the, if you ever want to learn about how to do that, the best thing you could possibly do is just sit and do some guided meditation for mm-hmm. a while. Tara Brock or uh, Gil Franzdahl or whoever, just sit and do some guided meditation. It's just like, it's, the, it's a masterclass. It's a masterclass in the fact that your brain works whether you want it to or not. Your mind works whether you want it to or not. And then you can kind of like go like, you can pay attention to, you can watch it. I'm not going to be another voice in your life talking about meditation. I mean, I will, if you ask nicely, but it's a bit, it's been, it's been a big deal for me, even though I don't like have a regular practice of doing it all the time. Um, that's one of those things. Same with, with yoga, same with, uh, going on a walk, having yeah. a cigar, um, where I can, I can kind of go, I'm looking for the thing that has a little, that just, just, just a little bit of that silver lining, just a little bit of that enjoyment factor. Right. You know, with yoga and running, young, running was hard because I had to run for like eight miles before I could like feel that state of flow. You kind of lose your mind. Everything slows down in your head and you're just going. Yoga, you can get into that a lot quicker. Um, same thing with meditation, same thing with just smoking a cigar where my mind just gets a little bit slower and ruminative. I like that. But um, there, there's something that we've said on the show before where it's like, if you're not, using your body like you're missing out on a tool that you have like this is your mind you it being a part of your body like you're a part of it exercise it helps even if it's just a walk get your five thousand steps in or whatever um but all that to say like I, thanks for sharing that barrett because there's those moments right where you're like i know i should but or there's mm-hmm. even worse it's the moments where you don't first of all like it's a little bit of a grace that you even notice it yeah when you go like totally i should but and you can just watch that just 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 like open up another file in your computer browser in your brain and go like, oh, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. You just had that moment. Like, well, we should name that name as, as like sort of like a should butt moment. Mm. Oh, it's a should butt, you know? Uh, and you can just kind of like, isn't this terrific? You had one. That's great. I can yeah. not put like count another one. Don't have to judge. Doesn't have, you don't have to then go and do the thing, but you get to then have a conversation with yourself. Like, I don't know. Do I want to? Right. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to? Because the work is addictive, because it's not going to get me what I want, more right. people liking me, being successful, making money. You know, why shouldn't I? And it's what, for me, the big shift happens when you're working for very different reasons than you used to be working for. Mm. That is, that is the, that's the transformation I want to see happen in people, is you're no longer working to make it. Um, like Jim Carrey has this line in his commencement speech. I think it's in that where he's like, I hope so badly that everybody gets what they want. So they realize it doesn't do what they thought it would. They still, they still have these feelings. They still have this thing that they answered all the things, the pain, the depression, the mania, the excitement, the terror. 
is already like you have it's already there you already have everything you already have everything you could put like the, the the buddhist thing it's like what in this moment is lacking and i don't want to sound like too much of a damn guru but but <laughs> this is where this stuff comes out for me right is in the fear and the trauma about the mania about my work, about becoming something, about letting the world see who I am, about trying to get that external validation of, of like, see, I am important. I am significant, right. you know? And I think that gets wrapped up in our work But also, a lot. like, you know, that's not, I, I agree completely. And you've helped me work through a lot of that myself as far as- We do a lot of massages I, what over do I need? What do I need from the work? But even if you have a healthy relationship to the work that doesn't change the power of the importance of deadlines, the power of follow through the importance of getting the work done. And so there's this balance there between not asking from the work, what it can't give you, but also taking it seriously enough that you do give yourself deadlines. You make commitments. Like what Corbett was saying about, about like the most significant projects looking back are kind of the ones that like, you just, it just, it took a little more. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, there's blog posts, right? Corbett, there's blog posts that you've just squirted out. And then, wow, that is just a massive post. That is the most popular post on our site, right? And, and then there's other things that just take a lot longer. And Steph, you mentioned this, or, or, I th- or maybe it was Corbett, but just your relationship to the, to the work. Like when you, we have this practice right? Where we, 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 at the beginning of, of the quarter, we go like, here's what are all the projects that we want to do? And we think them through, we go through a little bit of a culling down that list to the ones that we think we can get done in the quarter. Then they all go on a special list in Trello. And then as we complete them, we have this little ceremony where we move it from the like in process to the done column. Mm-hmm. And I just think, even though it's just bites on the internet it's not physical things. It's not statues or monuments that we're making to these projects that we've done. It's this one moment where we all take a collective together, not just me by myself, a collective uh, sort of like celebration, uh, even if it's a tiny little thing. Like, hey, we sponsored that podcast. We saw how that went. Move it over. Like, and now we, and then at the end of the quarter, we go through each one of them. We archive them individually or I think, or something like that. Anyways, we look at the, each one, we kind of do a postmortem. What do we learn from this? What do we wish we'd have done differently when it comes, when it makes sense? Um, and I found that that you guys has been like a really big deal for me, connecting somewhat to the things that we did long after we've done them. Even sometimes it's only months, but, um, but in the, in the middle of this year, when we look back on everything that we started in January, that will be, a re- I, I will remember things that I had totally forgotten. You know, you guys will tell me about things that we've done that I had totally forgotten and then I'll remember them again. I'll go, oh my gosh, we really have like contributed towards a common goal. And that's a big deal. Sorry, I've been talking for too long. I don't know. I, I, I'll just piggyback on some of the things you guys have said, because I, I think there's a lot of good conversation that we've had about this. And in particular, Alan does actually point out too, I think what Barrett said about um, investing in yourself and how that feels like the last thing you want to do when you get into this like mm-hmm. cycle of like more, 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 that mania that you were talking about, Chase. The yeah. last thing you want to do is invest in yourself, whether it's working out. Alan in the post actually talks about how he he is now going to add in meditation, yoga, visualizations, and journaling. I just said to Barrett, I think this was yesterday and today, I just said to Barrett, we were catching up, I have lost sight of this myself because I've been so busy trying to create this course that we're doing. And it's crazy because I know I I should know by now. It's funny that like, I feel like you never totally learn this. Like for me doing my five minute journal in the morning, um, doing like focusing on a small prayer in the morning, going for a long walk or lifting some weights, like this little routine that I have for myself, it takes a little bit of time, but it's amazing the way that you can justify like, no, I don't have time for that right now. I got to get this done. Like that's the, I don't have the luxury of doing that for myself right now. And every Mm. single time without, without fail, when I get away from that, it's like, I think it just perpetuates that spinning. That's like spinning out that's going on of trying to put more in the tank when there's just, it, it just it just stops working. So I think it's just so important. I just wanted to reinforce that, that while sometimes some of those things you can do for yourself, whether it's working out or just like making sure that you're, you have, you're visualizing what you actually want the work to do. Like what is your intention in even getting this done? It's so easy for those things because they're not urgent. They're important, but they're not urgent. It's so easy to put them to the side. And I think examining that is just, is so important for taking a step back because then you see things so much mm. more clearly. And I think there's a really important point in there, which is not your triggers or your habits should be the same as mine or as Steph's. 
Like maybe you don't need mantras. Yeah. Maybe you don't need meditation. Maybe you don't need weightlifting, but there's something you need. Mm-hmm. There is something that every person needs to fuel their ongoing efforts. Just because now for why? Now why? Let's think about why, right? Because the, the, the mind does things whether or not you want it to, right? right? I think that's a, that's a, uh, take that. Like you, why are you in anxi- anxious mode? I don't know, but it's for some reason you just end up get, getting here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that to me is has become something that that for, for uh, you know at the cost of sounding like a silly like whatever Buddhist person or whatever like that is been a huge factor of learning for me. Totally, I think acknowledging the points, the little trigger moments when you realize you're off, mm-hmm. when you're when you're headed, you're careening towards that side of your life where things are going off the tracks, yeah. you need to identify those little points that are points of recognition for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is developing awareness around that. And then the second one is, what are things that I've done in the past that have helped me get out of that spiral? Yeah. Or exploring new ones, trying new ones, treating it as a hypothesis of, oh, okay, that's interesting. I know that I'm in that mode that I don't like, that doesn't treat me well, that makes me hard on myself. Yeah. What are some thing, new things I could try to try and break out of that? Mm. And just seeing what works because that is the most important work you can do. If you want to make it in this thing, if you want to make it past the like just stress and struggle and anxiety that so many entrepreneurs go through, you've got to develop the self-awareness to be able to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't take care of yourself, there's no way you're, you're going to be able to build a business. You're going to be able to take care of your family. You're going to be able to treat your customers the way they want to be treated because we have this false idea that we can just give, 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 give without replenishing our own supplies of what we have to give. And if you don't treat yourself well and you run yourself into the ground, there's nothing left. Hmm. You don't have anything to give. And that doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve you or your customers or anyone else around you. Because the danger there, again, going back to the like, what's the worst that can happen? What what we say in Fizzles, the worst that can happen is not that your idea doesn't work. The worst that can happen is not that your business fails. The worst that can happen is that you give up on yourself as a person who can create things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As, a, as a creative, as a creator, as an entrepreneur, as a whatever. Right. That's the worst thing that can happen. Because you, you don't want to be one of these people walking around waiting for the next episode of The Bachelorette. Do you know what I mean? My favorite people, some of my favorite people in the world are the people who go, The Bachelorette is the most vapid, empty, disgusting show on TV. And I can't stop watching it. I love it so much. Please, if you love that show, at least start it with, with that first part. You know what I mean? No, now we're gonna get a bunch of letters. Damn it. But 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 what I what I mean is is you don't you don't wanna just be you don't wanna just be um what I take away from that is don't you don't want to seek out the things that deaden the way you feel. Yeah, as a creator, as like a someone who, who That's right. like what we're what we're here to do is to shape and, and things. Now yeah. you don't have to change the world. You don't have to put a dent in the universe. You got to put dinner on the table, mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is fundamentally a creative act and always has been. Ha- hashtag Michael Pollan. Hashtag cooked. Hashtag Netflix original. Hashtag OMG. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking in hashtags now, but but the, I think the principle there is important because. That's another indicator for me. When I just start seeking out those mind-numbing ways to kind of remove myself from whatever I'm experiencing, I know I'm headed down that path. I know that I'm not always in the healthiest place when I'm doing that. Sometimes I do it consciously. I'm like, hey, I'm going to spend my Saturday watching House of Cards or whatever because I choose to. But when I find myself in that kind of mode, watching The Bachelorette or watching whatever on TV, just because... I know there's an there's something that's driving that. For yeah, me. totally. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I can't help. I I have to say this that the reason why it's stressful is because the perceived failure. And what's the failure? It's that this thing isn't going to work. But what does it feel like? I am not going to work. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's this is a race for popularity. And then if it's not that, it's a race for money, right? For income. And both of those are just fundamentally like you know super stressful. They're just super stressful, and they're really unnatural. They're, they're totally unnatural for us. Like if you could be really satisfied making a great casserole, yeah, but- being creative in that, then you're winning. Then you're winning. But why are we not, are none of us doing that? Because all of us feel like, well, that doesn't matter very much. Do you know why? Because every voice in every billboard and every outlet that, that is available to us and chasing us down, in fact, is telling us that that's not the way to do it. All you got to do is, look, we made this microwavable. That way you can do it in seconds so you can get back to the important stuff of changing the world. Here's some caffeine. Don't quit your job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Carver, what were you going to say? 
in the uh, in the forums and the responses on this question, Bonnie Lynch had some good advice. I'll just read it here. Um, she focuses actually on psychology for entrepreneurs and, and, uh, self-employed people. She says, this topic is at the heart of what my business is about overcoming the psychological barriers to success. You've already received some excellent advice. So I would just add two somewhat long-winded things. First, can you observe the process of your burnout to see how it begins, how it grows with time, and how it feels at its peak. Are there definable turning points where you could ease off to prevent the full-blown burnout? And second, feeling burned out actually means different things to different people. What are the thoughts you have when you feel burned out? Are they like, I need a break, I just can't do this anymore right now? Or, I hate this work, why did I even start? Or maybe they're like, as hard as I try, it's never going to work, I'm wasting my time. Depending on what your burnout sounds like in your head, the remedies for it will be different. In the first case, can't do this anymore right now, you might just need to maintain a schedule that's more realistic for the time and energy that you have. In the second, I hate this, maybe a deeper look into your motivation for choosing this work is in order. And in the third, this is never going to work, maybe your burnout is just self-doubt in disguise or maybe what you're doing really isn't going to work and you need some good advisors to show you how to change your strategy. When you hit those phases of burnout, the most helpful action is to first take a step back and see what the burnout is really trying to tell you. You have to talk to your burnout and find out what it's trying Man, to tell it's you. Pretty good. Feels uh yeah. it feels like a professional saying things that it's <laughs> taken me a long time to even start to understand. But think about you know, you, yeah. you you wouldn't even have ears to hear that. You yeah, would not you wouldn't have heard that. You got it. You but have to literally be dragged through this to like do. come up for air. And so maybe this totally. will help, maybe it won't. Maybe we're kind of preaching to the choir right now. Uh, you know, but like, we just we need these pre these things no, preached I, I at us. Do. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like so I, I think we're we're probably getting towards the end here, but one thing I want to share is I, I published this post the other day about mantras, and um, I, I titled it something like "What Self Help Gets Right," mm. mantras in the morning or something like that. And it was it was about my coming to the realization that you can say whatever you want about different methods of uh, self talk and like getting through these periods or recognize building self awareness, yada yada, and. I've always said, you know, mantras are these woo-woo thing that self-help gurus preach because it's for people without self-discipline or without self-confidence or whatever. And finally, I got over that and just realized I was scared that maybe that could help me. And I embraced it this year as a part of my process of not setting goals. And one of the ones that, or the, the last one I read every day is I am a valuable human being. Mm. And I think that's maybe the one of all of mine that are, is universal. I think that if you can come to an agreement with yourself that that is true and that it's not dependent on some other person, on some project, on something that just like inherently you are a valuable human being, no matter what happens to you, no matter what other people do to you, no matter what happens in your business, no matter whether you get fired, whether your kids don't like you, whatever, if you start there, I think that's a pretty healthy place from which to do work mm. because it means that you're starting with a default of I don't need this work to validate me. I don't need this person to validate me. I don't need Gary Vaynerchuk to offer to be my dad or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, inside joke we've made in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I think then if you work hard for a sprint to get a project done or to meet a deadline or whatever, it's from a healthy place. It's because you respect yourself. It's because you value follow through. It's because you are interested in what might happen uh, or or you're just interested in challenging yourself to get that work done, rather. Mm. Let me put it that way, not mm. what might happen. Mm. And that's a healthy place to be, I think. I think it's healthy to pursue work because of those reasons and not for what it might do for you. Yeah. And so I would encourage everyone to start there and see if you can, over time, embrace that as truth and see how that affects your ability to do good work on an ongoing basis. Mm. Anything else to add, you guys? I'll add one quick thing that I we we didn't exactly get to, although Barrett mentioned it very quickly, but there was a great response from a Fizzler named Joseph who said, you need other people in your community. And I thought that was a great point too. Mm -hmm. We talk about this all the time. In fact, in the roadmap, we just finished 
filming and publishing a new video for the connection stage, which is stage two of the roadmap. And we talk about this about, and, and Corbett already brought this up as well. And Chase is Chase too, which was that, um, the worst thing that can happen is that you quit. That's the very worst thing. And sometimes having that community or having that network, whether Barrett mentioned his mastermind group, kind of telling him to go to the gym, what uh, Joseph in the forum talks about how he joined an improv comedy group and he met some guy who's a successful entrepreneur who's kind of helped him plug in. And I love the way he says this. He said, get out in the world and have fun living real life. Lady luck benefits those who put themselves out there. And I think that's totally true. And when you're in that spiral and you're in that depression side of this cycle we've been talking about, sometimes you really just do need people who know you, care about you, and can be objective about you and your business to say, listen, this feels like the end of days, but you just need to do X, Y, Z and pull yourself out of it and you know, be gentle with yourself or whatever that message looks like. So the power of community, I think, can't be understated for this one too. Mm. Yeah. Corbett, last word? Uh, Steph took it. I was going to recommend <laughs> joining an accountability group or um, just involving someone else. It could even be your spouse. I think we overlook this sometimes when we talk about accountability groups. Um, I noticed that my wife and I, Jesslyn, have gotten in the habit of really encouraging each other to exercise, to work out. Um, you know, if I say I'm going to go for a run or go surfing or whatever, she's really supportive of that. Or sometimes she's suggested, Hey, maybe you should go for a run or whatever. Um, especially if she notices that maybe I'm getting in one of those mm -hmm. cycles, maybe she recognizes my burnout before I do. And, uh, so, you know, be supportive if you have a significant other or a spouse around and, um, encourage them to do the same for you. Yeah. Barrett, I added the, how a mastermind group will help you reach your goals post to the show notes here. So if you're interested in how to find a mastermind group, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff, we kind of touch on those things there. Well, guys, I have been Chase Warman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there. Or we'll see you on another time. So there you have it. Thank you, Alan, for asking the question in the forums. I really appreciate you. You can find the show notes for this episode, fizzleshow.co slash 153. Now, this is an important one. This is, a different, this is a new kind of announcement for us here. We're launching a new course, and to celebrate, we're doing a free webinar teaching you how to get insights from customer conversations. That's what the, the course is about. It's amazing what you can learn about your customers if you just do a little prep beforehand. And so if you register for this free webinar, uh, we're going to help you do that prep and get some killer tools to make your business idea, your product idea, your marketing, all of it better with insights that come directly from your potential customers. Okay, so the webinar is Thursday, March 17th, 2016. And you can register for free and we'll send you a recording, all right? You can find that at fizzleshow.co slash 153. Now, if you are listening to this long after the webinar, you can go to that same link and you'll learn about the course that will be available to you at Fizzle. You can probably finish that course uh, within your, your free trial. Uh, I actually, I, of course you can. It's one of our better courses we've ever made. It's just really actionable, really, really boots on the ground and um, something that has been lacking from Fizzle for a while. I think it provides a really awesome missing piece there. So again, fizzleshow.co slash 153 is where you can find all the links from this conversation and info about that course on customer conversations, the webinar, etc. Here's an iTunes rating from Mike Iman in the US of A. I just discovered the Fizzle crew a couple months ago, and now I'm hooked. I'm not sure what's better, all the useful tips about online business or... Chase's crazy antics. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mike. You keep up the good work, man. Our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week, one foot after the other. If you leave us an iTunes review, it just helps other entrepreneurs find this show. It helps us keep doing the show. It honestly, more than anything else, just makes me feel better about the work that we're doing. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review in iTunes. Just open up the iTunes store, search for Fizzle, click the orange people, and click write a review. Okay, that's all for now. And my sincere hope is that you may find your own way through the cycle of excitement and depression. Be gentle with yourself. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.